0: This is Joseph Barone of A Fool for Learning, and our foolish thought for today is doing business with the U.S. federal government. Step four, Nakes. Greetings and welcome to my podcast, and in this fourth and final episode of tackling some of the basics in relation to doing business with the U.S. federal government, I have with me Tom Stallone of TAPSEC Consulting. Let me just tell you that Tom has been with the Managing Director of TAPSEC Consulting since 2002 he works with organizations on having them helping them obtain business with the federal government in areas such as audiovisual and telephony among others tom has generated for businesses over 4 billion that is correct you've heard me correct 4 billion in sales and over 420 million dollars is that in, in
1: direct sales yes that's in indirect sales excellent
0: so, Tom, thank you for joining me, and welcome to the Foolish Thoughts podcast. Good morning.
1: Thank you. So, Tom, what is NAICS? NAICS, or the North American Industry Classification System, is a system that defines what type of businesses and industries, primarily for tracking economic activity. And who puts these tracking codes together? Okay. The NAICS code, which is usually two to six digits, is put together initially by the Office of Management and Budget, but it's also used by people such as the Small Business Administration the SBA to identify small business, which are part of the set-asides part of contracting based on size standards or number of personnel. If
0: I remember correctly, in in one of the previous podcasts, you mentioned NAICS and something to the the effect that... Every organization can choose up to 10 of them. Is,
1: is that correct? And, and can you expand upon that a little bit? Certainly. So every, every company has to have at least a primary. But when you're applying for your DUNS number that we talked about earlier, or when you're applying to do business with the federal government, you can have up to 10 NAICS codes or 10 SIC codes, and that will give you multiple areas where a contracting officer can identify you to do business, and every procurement comes out under either a NAICS or SIC codes to define which companies can bid on it.
0: Let me let me just ask you some more questions about NAICS, and then I'll also ask you to remind us about SIC 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 Thank you. These NAICS codes, something that you you mentioned earlier, I as an LLC. I'm, I'm an individual consultant. I am my own LLC. Are the codes for me as an individual different than the codes for a or an organization, let's say a training organization that has 500 people working for them?
1: Yes, they are. In fact, as I, as I mentioned, I alluded to, the Small Business Administration sets standards, for a code. So a co- company with 10,000 people may have a different code for training than one for 20 people or under 25 people. And those are important, particularly when it comes to set aside contracts for socioeconomic socioeconom- set asides.
0: Can you just expand a little bit upon what you mean by these set asides and, and what type of companies get these set asides? Again, I know we've talked about that in a previous, but I think it's it's a great refresher.
1: Certainly. Within the federal government, there's eight types of categories that are socioeconomic set-asides. For instance, a woman-owned business, a woman-owned small business, a service-connected woman-owned small business, a hub zone. Each of these are specific areas where, with that designation, particularly small businesses, cuts down on the amount of competition in a particular area for a contract. It's pretty easy as an 8A, which is a common term, which is a small disadvantaged business approved by the Small Business Administration. There are a certain percentage of every contract, every large contract that are set aside for these socioeconomic set-asides.
0: And can you remind us about six, six,
1: six, six? Six. 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 So that's <laughs> <Sorry>. the standard <laughs> industry code. And that goes across, basically across the world. The United States and the primary numbers we use are the NAICS code with a North American industry classification system that's used by Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And that's not only for contracts, that's also for grants in determining what area you fall in or what business line you fall in.
0: Okay, so this applies to both those in the profit as well as the nonprofit world. Yes, sir. Okay. In talking about NAICS, Let's say I come to you and I say, Tom, can you and CAPSEC Consulting help me with the process? What are the things that I really need to have before I even come to you to help me?
1: The first thing you need is you need to apply for your tax ID number. Okay and that's kind of the basis to get in the business. Mm -hmm. Two is you should review the NAICS code list and find out where you really fall. Pick the primary area and then additional areas that you fall in because that will decide both can you bid on contracts that are available and also allows contracting officers to do a search and find you. For instance, in the training world, there are large training companies and small training companies, and that will help define if a contracting officer for the government goes online and looks you up by a NAICS code or a SIC code, then they'll be able to find you and identify you, and you should be able to get some contracting opportunities that the contracting officer will reach out with you on. Mm-hmm.
0: In NAICS, is it pretty, pretty straightforward for me? Like, I'll go online, I'll just pick this code and that code and, and the subcodes. Are, is there anything else I need to know about them? For example, are there additional requirements for specific NAICS codes or is it just, I just pick them and I'm all done?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because there are areas and I'll take access cards that you use, for instance, to get in your building or even your home. Some people who live in, in, uh, in rental apartments, those little plastic access cards in order to partic- participate, with the federal government in their program to use those cards, you have to first be certified by an agency, for instance, the National Industry for Standards and Technology. And they would, in the case of access codes or PIV cards, they would have to approve you as a vendor before you can take a particular NAICS or SIC code associated with that work. And how long can that process take? Well, that process could take three to six months And it's important that you know going into the, knowing in the battle which battlefield you're Mm going to play on.
0: So one of the questions I now have is kind of taking the long view. My understanding is that the U.S. federal government budget year starts October 1. When do I need to start the process? If I wish to obtain government contracts, when do I chronologically need to start this process so that Make-believe on October 1st, I'm all ready.
1: Fantastic question. So, the, as you mentioned, on October 1st is when a government fiscal year starts. And that's when the new year starts or when new money is appropriated by Congress. The reality is you got to back your way up. January through February, you do your paperwork, you do your certifications. By the middle of February and through April, you have to be contacting agencies finding opportunities, particularly the larger value opportunities, because many of those opportunities where the government's going to award a contract, particularly on any effort over a million dollars, by April 15th, those budgets are already set. They'll go through the end of the fiscal year. Yes, occasionally in September and October, you'll see what's called sweep up money or money that hasn't been obligated. But most large projects by April 15th have been decided or pretty much decided by the contracting shop. If I was to come
0: to you and I have all my ducks in a row and I say, Tom, can you in TAPSEC Consulting help me? What is one, the best case scenario? In other words, what's the shortest period of time you think I could get everything done if I have all my ducks in a row, all my information? However, what is the reality? What are we really talking about as far as
1: time to do this entire process? If you've got all the backup pieces done when you come to me and say, hey, sit down, I want, it. I want to move forward, we could do it in 30 days. The reality, is some of those backup pieces that need to happen in kind of a sequential order may take as long as three months. So I tell a company typically um, 90 days, 60 to 90 days from start to finish to get you fully up and running as a government contractor.
0: So they really, a company that comes to you, should really be coming to you as early as possible, almost the October before the year they want to do business.
1: Absolutely. If they want to be fully prepared, yes. Great. Uh, That's a great uh, explanation, a great time frame to shoot for.
0: Tom, is there anything else that you can add about NAICS codes or anything we've talked about in any of the episodes that uh, companies get tripped up on or anything that companies should really, really remember to have or do Uh, before they may come to you and begin the process.
1: Well, it's getting all these, as Churchill says, the devil's in the details, all these little certifications. But I will tell you there is some good news, particularly in the NAICS code area or in the PSC codes, which is another type of code when you go to do your registrations there are three or four of these areas where you can list up to 10 codes so spend your time do your research know your primary areas and know the areas around it for instance if you're going to do cameras can you do camera maintenance can you do services for camera can you put technicians on site to operate cameras those are all additional NAICS or sit codes or product service codes that you could put in place so that when a contracting officer is trying to find you or a procurement is on the street, which means it's out for bid, they'll allow you to pursue that vehicle.
0: So, Tom, I think we've kind of covered everything today in NAICS and the processes and in the last couple of episodes with the unique identifier or the CAGE code, etc. And so I, I want to take this opportunity to thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with everyone today. And if someone wants to get a hold of you and your organization to help them facilitate their entry into the U.S. federal government market, how
1: can they contact you? Well, thank you. The easiest way, as always, and it's always turned on, is my cell phone, which is 703-898-2133. Or you can find me on the Internet at www.tapsec.tap hyphen or email me at Tom Stallone at T-A-P-S-E-C hyphen consulting.com. And
0: Tom, once again, thank you so much for being with us today. And of course, in the last couple of episodes, if you enjoyed, if you as a listener enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to like or to comment on whatever platform you may be listening to this episode on. And to learn more about A Fool for Learning and how I can assist you and your organization with an appropriate learning solution to meet your business needs, please visit my website at afoolforlearning.com. This is Joseph Barone, the CEO of A Fool for Learning, signing out. Remember, learn, perform, succeed.